All right, everybody, welcome back to During Business Hours. My name is Chris. This is Matthew Leonard. How are you doing today, Matt? Good. How's it going, Chris? Pretty good. Let's get it started. You're, you said you're from Belize? Uh, I am not from Belize. So my parents are Christian missionaries. Um, and uh, we lived. I lived in China from age 12 to 13. Uh, and then lived in Belize from age 14 to essentially 18. And while I was down there, um, all my friends wanted phones, and I didn't have a phone. So obviously you're like, Hey, how do I figure out how to get a phone? And I was like, all right, well, if I resell it, I can make enough money to, or resell something. I can make enough money to have my own. And whenever people would visit, I would bring ship them like razors. Razors were super popular back then, like four or five razors at a time or four or five, um, like, I don't know, like slide the old slide up phones that had like the physical keyboard, but the front of the screen was like fully touch screen. Uh, those are pretty popular. I don't even remember any models specifically. Um, but I would ship like four or five to a friend whenever they come visit me or my parents, they'd bring them in, you know, just not the legalist way, so to speak, but, uh, you know, you're oh, 14, yeah. 15, you, you're just figuring things out and, um, yeah, started doing that, uh, and made some money down there. But it, to me, it was more about, um, it was more about just learning and testing. Like I wasn't trying to grow it and build it. Uh, I just never had a hustle influence in my life or like money-making influence in my life. Um, so I didn't really understand how to make it or, you know, the, the, the whole, like, if I make more, 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 like I, I understood the process in my brain, but I just, I never pushed it hard, uh, until I was like 22 or 23 years old. Yeah. Was that from books or you said, uh, yeah, I guess I know. So my real father was an entrepreneur. He passed away when I was younger. And I think just as I matured with time and just, you know, realized what he had built. And then, you know, my, my stepdad and my mom didn't really take the best care of his, you know, assets and essentially squander them all away. I think as I grew up, I realized that, Hey, you know, like this is already in me, you know, so to speak, but be like, if you, if you, you just do things logically, you know, yeah. you can, you can make money and you can build it. And, you know, there's, there's value to, you know, having less stress with, you know, having more money. Um, so just that whole, that whole switch happened to me. I was like, all right, fuck it. Let's go. And I just started grinding. Nice. Uh, we know each other f simply through the groups, like mm -hmm. most of these, yeah, yeah. uh, these little interviews. I think we met, uh, I bought some, you were doing just the lots, like the Google doc lots. I had just gotten into the groups. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. How, how yeah, did you go that. from flipping razors? So Back in, uh, so I had some health issues from like age 18 through 22. Uh, and I wasn't really doing anything. I actually ended up working for a doctor. I thought I was going to go to med school for a while. I wanted to, um, then started dating a girl and the typical, you know, you chase the girl, not the, not the passion and, you know, ended up not doing, not doing the whole med school situation. Um, but from there, I moved back to St. Louis, um, back in like 2015, 2016 and, uh, met a guy. Actually, the girl I was dating at the time, his name is Chandler Calvert. He's still in the groups, but he's the one who turned me on to the groups. And I was like flipping like phones here and there, eBay, stuff like that. And I thought it was cool, but he had his own like iPhone shop at like, I think it was like 18 and 18 and 19. And I was like, damn, I was like, this kid, this kid knows a lot more than me, you know, because he was teaching me about OEM versus aftermarket versus this versus that. I just didn't understand a lot. Um, and so jumped to the groups and I started doing a lot more just like repairs. Like I would... I was your typical meet a person at Starbucks, you know, order a screen for mobile centrics or whoever back in the time, meet someone at Starbucks and uh, fix their phone on the spot. Um, and I made some money doing that. I hated doing it though, because there's just so much stress and pressure of like 
watching someone repair their, your, their phone or you have to repair their phone in front of them. And then like, I would always like have a backup just in case like I fucked it up so I could just like swap their information over. So, um, started doing that and then just realizing that just the money was, or the time was better spent in flipping. Um, so I just started hustling Facebook Craigslist. Um, I was on those platforms probably 16 hours a day, constantly updating new for new listings. I would never, I never ran a single Facebook ad in my life to buy phones. Like I know like that's all the crazy days when like people are doing, you know, buybacks, et cetera. They do Facebook ads, they do this, they do that. I've never ran a single Facebook ad for a buyback. Everything for me was finding the specific listing, instantly hitting them up. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, I can go do this. And there were just a lot of, you know, single meets. Um, so at that time of my life, I was working a IT job, 40 hours a week. I was working a uh, steakhouse job. Um, probably 12 or 14 hours a week, had a full-time relationship and I was flipping stuff. And I would take all the cash that I had from both those other two jobs and I'd meet people at like 6 a.m. or 8 p.m. or whatever I needed to do, you know, four or five days a week. And it was just like stacking as much cash as I could to do more flipping. Like I, I just That's fell in love crazy. with the process. Because nowadays you're, as you see where you're at now, you're more <laughs> of a, a wholesaler. You know, yeah, you yeah, yeah. Pallets so, of things. I th- yeah, I think we, we had pallets. talked with Mick previously. That's what he had moved into. And yep. he was doing what consoles, truckloads of consoles. Mm-hmm. And it's that image that was like, oh shit, he's moving a lot of weight. You have yeah. consistently moved a lot of weight. So yeah. people yeah. look to you as like, the vouch guy, you know, if, yep. if Matt says yep. it's the guy, it's the guy. If Matt <laughs> yeah, says it's I, good, Matt will back him with I, 25 grand. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> this guy's good. Matt says it's good. Yeah. So yeah, I, no, I've, uh, I, it took me a long time to build that, that reputation. And I, I've been fucked over a lot. Um, just being honest, like I've, I had one deal last year. I lost over a hundred thousand dollars on. Um, and so for me, it's, uh, I've just been around the block enough and just seen a lot of things, you know, I, I pay attention to a lot. I, I watch people's, you know, vibes. I watch people, you know, how they treat people in the groups. Like I'm constantly just watching things. So, you know, yeah, there, there's definitely some weight to it, but I don't just, you know, hand those, hand those vouchers out easily. And, right. you know, like there's, there, there's people that, you know, I just know that, you know, if, if they're going to fuck someone over, they're going to fuck someone over for a lot more and, you know, or, you know, for the most part, they're, they're just good people. So it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's, it's a weird game to play, but for sure, it's, it's definitely interesting. I think psychologically people tend to pop in and fuck over people quickly instead of yep. the long game. You know, yep. People have some ups and downs, like okay, a deal goes bad, so on and so forth. But man, the amount of times people are in for a month, they take somebody for five grand and they disappeared. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It it's ridiculous. It's um, I, and that's why I don't, I don't do business with new people. A lot of people ask me, you know, who do I sell to? Who do I buy from? And a lot of it's not in the groups um, for that reason, just because a lot of my stuff is with established businesses. And even then, like, it doesn't matter. Like I've seen people in business for 20 years, you know, just get into a cash flow situation and Hey, you, you know, you wire them the money and it's gone, you know, and then you can take them to court, but it's three to five years on the road. And yeah, the amount that they stole from you is probably gonna be what you pay in legal fees. So what do you do? You just write it off and move on. It's a, it's, it's a weird game to be in for sure. I'm in California yeah, no, and small claims is the, uh, is the, no, go-to. It's, the easiest, it's, it's the easiest place. It's the easy place to steal money is in California. You could, you could steal a million dollars from a company and they'll never get it back. Oh yeah. It's, it's horrible. Never. Anything over 10 grand is so hard to get back. Anything under 10 yep. grand, they'll kick your door in, sell your shit. You're good. Yep. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a wild game for sure. And so that's why it's like, 
I'm picky about who I buy from 1000%, but I'm also picky about who I sell to. Because on the flip side, not all money is good money. And a lot of people don't realize in this industry that just because someone's willing to pay you the highest price doesn't mean that that's where your product should be going. Because the odds of you ending up on a watch list someday because that money is, you know, they're using you to clean the money or something that, you know, you might not pay attention to. Um, it's not always best to take the highest price. So yeah, no, 1000%. It's, it's, it's better to do business with less people more consistently that have a reputation that have been around for a while than it is to chase the the highest price or to chase the newest thing, because it's just, it doesn't always end up well. So, so uh, what happened with your recycling company? Is it you were doing like, next recycling? Yeah, batteries. Yeah. Yeah. Next life recycling. So I miss those days. So I, let me back up here. So 2017, I left to work for a guy named Michael Oberdick out in Ohio. Um, I knew, I knew Josh back in St. Louis, Josh and I doing some stuff. I was doing like medium sized slips. I was probably moving 50 or $60,000 a month in revenue back then. And I knew nothing about business. I didn't have a LLC. Like I was just like, so late, like I was so naive. I didn't have a business bank account and I had a corporate buyback taking a step back here, but 2017, I had corporate buyback. And that's when I first started doing corporate buybacks for a, uh, AC company. The only way I knew how to pull out the money because they wanted cash. It was $5,000 cash. The only way I knew how to pull out the money because my ATM limits were maxed mm -hmm. was to go to a checkout, a Walmart checkout and do cash back. And I did $3,000 in cash back, $100 at a time in a Walmart just so I could get the cash out of my account because I had no idea that I could just walk into the bank and just pull my cash out or, or, you know, set up a business bank. Like that's how naive I was back in 2017 was I like went through that and like, I made like, you know, 2,500 bucks off that flip. And I was like, damn, this is awesome. And then it wasn't until I moved to Ohio that I learned a lot about just how to have a business set up, how to, you know, structure properly, how to manage employees, this and that. So I went out to Ohio to work for uh, Michael Overdick. That was good. Uh, we had our differences, but he's, you know, he's a good guy. Um, learned a lot. He, he definitely helped me. And uh, I was there for like eight months. We split off. I went to work for G Tool. We can bring that up later. G-Tool was a wild ride. So I lived in Austin before there. And then um, moved back to St. Louis in 2019, I guess. Early 2020, Josh and I teamed up. We were doing some deals. And I said, hey, like, let's just quit hustling. Like, let's actually start building something. And so this was um, before, like, the air message on the batteries. Just before the air message on the screen. So we, uh, I did some digging and um, uh, learned a lot. Um, just about, you know, recycling, like I, I'm a nerd when it comes to that kind of thing. I, I stay up just researching and I realized, and, you know, found through various people that the battery flex cable on a, you know, iPhone seven battery was worth a buck 50 at the time. Each individual flex cable on the battery is worth like a dollar 50, $2, uh, iPhone eights were even like three, $4. And I realized that, you know, people were giving away these batteries for free. I could sell the, you know, lithium ion scraps for pennies on the dollar. But we, uh, I built a jig, me and my grandfather built a jig to harvest these, um, these boards to send off back to China. And I mean, we were, we were set up to do probably 40 or $50,000 a month in profit in, um, every month. Cause I had over 500 people sign up for the recycling company. Like we had this like nailed down, we bought the buckets. Like I, I put all my money into all my life savings, anything that I had, I dumped it all in. It was close to about a hundred thousand dollars. Got it set up three, two months into it two or three months into it, China came out, Apple released a new phone and then that, that year. And that's when the error message came out for the batteries and the 
uh, China released a um, uh, aftermarket chip. So the the the, P, the chip that was the most valuable on that board was a Texas Instruments gas gauge because it would control the battery input into and out of the phone um, for registering the data. And that was that was the valuable. That specific chip was extremely valuable. And so in one week, China created an aftermarket chip, and Apple fucked up the market by doing the OEM service, and those chips went to the value went to nothing. So all this infrastructure I built up, all this distribution I built up, all the processing, the employees we had was zero, like within one week. And like, it was just gone. Like there was no value. There was nothing to build on. There was nothing there. That's worse than a crypto trade. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. I was, I was pretty fucking defeated. I, I, I mean, I think I walked out after that business um, with like $3,000 back in 2020. Uh, left that business and then we opened next life devices and I got back on my feet. I was like, well, fuck it. I just need to make some money again and just got back into flipping, grinding, hustling, doing whatever I could, um, built that business up, uh, actually. So that, I think that was the end of 2019. And I went from $3,000 in my account to 2020. I did uh, a little under $10 million in revenue, um, which nice. was, and that was out without taking any serious loans. That was just a lot of, you know, bigger deals you know i was doing a lot of brokering doing a lot of in and out building you know building up stuff we had seven employees that's when i had the cool office in st louis that's when i was living more of a baller style lifestyle and there was just like a lot of adrenaline a lot of rush of hey i just built this i, I turned nothing into something xyz um but yeah that's what happened with the recycling company um it was okay, just so all gone in a week that that is a uh a very similar story to a lot of entrepreneurs that get up into something that's like, this is the next thing. It reminds me of what was that guy who built the, uh, the back glass machine, the little, the spinning tool with the locks. Oh, um, Raul. Yeah. Raul. God, uh, a little context. I, I, he put a lot of money <laughs> into it. And then all yes. of a sudden it was going to be the, the next, the greatest. And then everyone else had it out within a week. But, uh, Damn, China fucked you up. Absolutely. That is yeah. <laughs> not that's just that. It. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was bold. But I mean, that's that's business. I mean, looking back, like, yeah, it was it sucks at the time. I still have like a picture of like me just like looking so defeated walking out of the office. But I look back and be like, hey, that's that's how business works. If you're not prepared for that, then you're not made for business. Like you, you oh, yeah. can get thrown a curveball at any time and you have to be willing to do that. And welcome, welcome to the game. And if you can't take a sucker punch, then too often I tell people it's how you adapt and endure. And uh, yep. Andrew Tate gets brought up a lot, but that guy's a man has to overcome in order to learn. And it's real hard to, to overcome if you don't have adversity. So 100%, 100%. Yeah. What happened with G tool? You mentioned G tool. G tool. Um, G tool was a good company. They had a lot of potential. Uh, I love Vince. Vince and I had a falling out cause I lived with him for a bit, but I mean, him and I still talk today. Like he's a great guy. Um, I still hold to the fact he, he, he never screwed anyone over. I know a lot of people would feel differently, but I saw the insights. Um, it was just the, it was a classic take on you have an a inventor, um, George over in South Africa, brilliant genius, but just a terrible business man. Things said just because he invents something that, you know, all of a sudden all this money is going to be there. But what I've learned is business is not the idea. Business is the execution. And if you're not, if you're not able to execute on the idea, then you have nothing. And that's where George's flaw is. He couldn't execute on building a product. He could execute on designing it and bending it. I mean, George was the first person to ever do use the laser for the backlights. 
we were doing testing samples with laser on the back glass back in 2018 when the iPhone X first came out. And they decided not to run with that idea, which if they would have, we would have been a massive company, in my belief, but um, they didn't. They stuck with uh, the, the refurbishing you know, aspect of it and they failed. And it's just kind of how it goes. Every company that does the the back glass, Centrix, uh, what is it? M-Triangle, 3We or whatever that does it on AliExpress, everyone who makes yep. one or sells it says it is the best. Of course. Uh, isn't it every, yeah, every, a industrial laser for something else, right? It's um Yeah, yeah. All it is is just a, a 20 watt or 30 watt or 15 watt laser head. They use a, a positioning device and, you know, people use these lasers to engrave handguns. You know, they use these, you know, to engrave, you know, promotional offers for like just random, you know, tie clips or whatever. So like mm-hmm. these, these are very common lasers in the market. They just realize that, Hey, this is a laser strength. This is the size that we need to, to, to go. And, you know, they program the computer in it to run the, the grid. And that's what it is. Like, it's it's nothing crazy proprietary. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, most things in business or products aren't crazy proprietary. There's someone just found a way to, you know, make something that works for another industry work for that industry. And they filed a patent for that industry. And it's what it is. But, yeah, there's nothing really crazy special that. about them. I'm a firm believer in the heat method. I, I had a laser <laughs> for eight months, engraved a bunch of shit. It was fun, but it just, it couldn't do everything with zero risk, you know, it, especially because it was supposed to be hands-free. Like, okay, leave it, come back, clean it off. You're good. Mm-hmm. Never was like that. So, I uh, I hate the laser just because of fumes. Oh God. Yeah. Like the they fumes. I, uh, I, I mean, I, I was in a shop once I was visiting, visiting my buddy and they were running it and I had to walk out. Like I was just getting a bad headache and I'm super sensitive to environmental stuff for my health issues in the past. But, uh, yeah, like I was just, I was like, I can't do this. Like this is terrible. It, it reminds me of like a lithium fire. You know, it, it's just as bad. Smells just as bad. So yep. no, what, what are your goals with this business? What do you think? Uh, it's so, the, do? so the processing company, we've got, we've got some cool things in, in the, in works, but um processing company right now we're just trying to get our systems in place we're not trying to grow it uh we've got three employees plus me and kevin uh our owners there's five five people here but we're mainly a software company as weird as that sounds we uh we took a a software base and built it from the ground up to run everything that we need for you know tracking inventory to rev share to being r2 compliant when we go to get r2 next year like everything's we built the software down to the t because there's no one else that has kind of what we have uh, in the industry, we've tried so many people, and there's a lot of other great opportunities, you know, options for people that just do phones like Wholesale.io. Like that's a great software. I know for and those guys are phenomenal. But I mean, we have we do a lot of iPads, we do a lot of MacBooks, we do a lot of Windows, we do a lot of random stuff. So it's there's no one set solution for it. So we took a step back and said, hey, if we're going to be a processing company. We have to have good software. So let's focus on software. Um, and I mean, once we're probably by the end of this year, we have everything tracked from the second it comes in. Um, we have a high def camera that we can zoom in, watch everything be unpacked. Um, so there's never a dispute on what was shipped in. Um, our testing process is phenomenal. Um, grading process is phenomenal. We can track everything from it, it, it's, it's, it's hard for me to explain how, how detailed we can go, but, um, we're, we'll have pictures of every device of once it runs through our, our system. So if you, you're on my list or, you know, we have the ability to push each individual device to eBay back market, et cetera, with our own individual set of pictures. Um, we'll have all that built into the software. 
Um, and then from there, so we, once we have our software in place, cause we're not trying to grow it, we're just trying to get everything fine tuned. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we have two other contracts right now we'll process for, um, and our goal is just to scale the processing side. I love buying and selling my wholesale company still in place. It's a, honestly, I'm the only employee of my wholesale company. Um, but from there, we um, will just process for other people. And we want to build a company that's not dependent on the buy sell side. It's just dependent on, hey, let's figure out processing better than anyone else in the industry. Let's carve our niche out in it. And let's, you know, scale and grow it. What's the software do? Is it similar to like MPM or just... No, no, no. It's uh, it's like NetSuite, um, where it's like a full backend software. So it's our accounting software, it's our inventory software, um, tracks sales, tracks, you know, product life. Um, competing you know, with uh, Repair Desk. No, 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 no. It's uh, this is specifically built for us. It's not something we'll ever sell. Uh, it's the heart of our company. But like, I can hit one button on any device in my um inventory and run a sick W check in house. I can check carrier. I can check everything, and I can store that history. So if someone ever comes back to me and says, Hey, iCloud's on the spice, you sold it to me. I can say, Hey, we checked at least three different times, all those times from theories, three different software said iCloud was off. So whenever you got it, the customer probably installed their iCloud on it and says it was iCloud locked. I can track all that within two seconds of any device in my system. Too and often, you know, man. yeah, yeah. So it's like the ability to do that. And then all that data saved from anything that ever hits our, our system. Uh, the detail level tracking is just, it's just different than anyone else I know in the industry. So that's, that's where we're focusing our, our growth on. And so then, yeah, like I Amazon, said, yeah. Yep. So back to the, the software. So that's that. Uh, I know early next year, um, we're going to launch a in-store buyback solution, which is pretty cool. Um, and uh, it's kind of, it's another proprietary software out there. Um, where you just plug in a phone, you sit, lives on your compa- computer. It's kind of similar to Ad Central. We've actually talked about working with Ad Central. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. It's it's, it's possible. Um, Josh is working well, with Ad Central now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh is. Uh, Josh and I don't have a great working relationship, but I don't I don't hate the guy yeah. by any means. Um, but uh, I know Israel. I know Kevin very well, and um, yeah. So we might we might do a partnership with them. And our goal is to have a software sitting on, let's say, you're in, inside your repair shop, just lives on a computer. Customer walks in, says, "Hey, I want to trade in this phone." Your employee has to check Sick W. They have to visually inspect the phone. They have to go through all the things, make sure cameras work, X Y Z. This is all. This is you plug it in, you hit trust. It runs all the diagnostics on the chip level, verifies that everything works. Um, and uh, you check the buttons manually, but it checks for MDM, iCloud, um, blacklist status, unlock status, the whole nine yards within 45 seconds. And there's not a profile that lives on the phone. So the second you plug the phone, none of that data ever stays on the phone. So, and then the, the, uh, the software also shoots back a uh, price. We can build it into add whatever percentage you want to add on top of what we will buy it back on. And then you have the option to either keep that device in store for you to resell or to send back to us. And we're giving you a guaranteed offer. So that, that, you know, device comes through, you say, Hey, I want to sell this to Nepsis, you know, Nepsis, then boom, you get a label and you send it back to us and you get payment within 48 hours of it landing. So you're, um, you're basically building a three U integrated, I hate to say it, but that's, yes. that's like yeah, a lot yeah. of people know three U yeah, yeah. yeah. integrated, sick W integrated direct buyer. Correct. But it's only buying, you can't do other testing with it. So you, you can't, it's not like, uh, and this is where if we do work with ad central, um, there will be an advantage that, you know, you can run just regular devices through the test. Ours is mainly only for the buyback side. 
Um, but we also don't want to lock you into only selling to us. Um, we want you to be able to sell in store. Now there will be, if you use our device, our, our software, you will have to sell us so many devices because we're paying for those checks. Like those checks aren't free with iCloud, MDM, et cetera. Um, but yeah, we just, we, we want that constant influx of devices. And if you send, send us five, great. If you send us 50 a month, great. Like we just want to, we want to be out there and give you guys an option to give customers an option to sell their devices. And, you know, some of those keep in store and resell. We don't care. Like it's, it doesn't make sense to sell everything to us only to rebuy it back from me. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not greedy. It's more of a, I want to play the volume game. And so once the processing center's set up to handle that, that's when I think that side will really take off. That's funny because we just set up their beta yesterday uh, mm-hmm. for their device check and check-ins. And mm-hmm. it's actually, it reminds me a lot of, there was this app that you could check an IMEI and do a purchase order for via customers. I can't remember the name of it, um, but it was only on iOS where you would go out to a customer to buy their phone. You would do I the think check-in. Jay used to, used to have that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what, that's what yeah. it was. Um, yeah, it's kind of it kind of similar to that, but yeah, this this stores all the information, so you can just do a batch out at the end of the week. We'll send you a label if you need to get paid quicker. We'll send you an overnight label, um, and yeah, we and that's where the the high def camera and the the you know all the systems that we have in place here for the photos and everything. You get that instant report within forty eight hours saying, "Hey, here's a video of the devices being unpacked. Here's them being processed. Here's the photos after they were cleaned and tested. This is why we graded them this way. This is the report. Here's your payout." You say yes or no. You say no. We send it back, and there's there's no, there. Or I shouldn't say there's no. There's very little chance for a fuck up to happen, and that's what we that's what we want to focus on is you know not just buying back devices, not this. How do we build a system? Because if it you don't have like a system, handling it like Amazon's logistics, it's, <laughs> yes. it's very top tier. I'm surprised. Yes, it's it's it's, it's uh, we 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 want to focus on that um, yeah. because a system is is something that you can sell, and eventually I'd like to exit this industry, but. Uh, um, yeah, systems, systems are, are the most valuable piece to your business. Well, that takes me to my next question. What's your exit plan? Everyone's got uh, one. Fine plan, like exit plan from the industry, from working, working, like, what retirement, what's, what's your, uh, never, 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 never. No, I, I will get to a point where I do less hustling. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I just like building things. Um, I used to do. Um, like iPhone stands, like I, I've had multiple other businesses outside the space as well. So like, for me, it's like, I just enjoy building something that no one else has before or competing against other people and saying, Hey, I might not be the biggest and the baddest on the outside, but when I'm building for the future, like if I'm willing to play the long game, I know where I'll come out on. And, you know, I just, I love that competition. Like that's what drives me. Like I can never just sit there and do nothing. Oh no. Yeah. Because money's, because money's not the goal. Yeah, no, I ended up uh, going more the family route unintentionally, but uh, it, it's worked <laughs> yeah. out fantastic. I'm trying, I'm trying to avoid that as long as I can. <laughs> hey, man, I, I got out of a toxic relationship in 2017, I think. Ended up having mm-hmm. to sue my ex, ran into Damn. a girl, stepped in, ended up having another Boom. kid within a year and a half. And it's been Damn. fantastic. Family for me turned out to be a goal I never wanted, but it's right. definitely a growth factor. It's crazy. Well, that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Good well, I, you. I appreciate you coming on, man. This has been awesome. For sure. Uh, yeah. I'll throw up some links to your, your new business, your venture. Yeah. And then we'll it's, throw it uh, on there. Awesome. Yeah. I definitely appreciate your time. 
Um, it's been fun. I like I said, I, this this is the first first podcast I've ever been on. So like, this is like totally new for me. I know I talk fast. Like I know I have other things going on, but it's definitely been a fun experience. Um, for sure. All right, everybody. If you liked it, subscribe. Hit the button. We'll see you later.